Hey everyone, happy Friday. Hope you're ready for a great weekend of college football. I know we are. Due to the rigorous demands of parenting small children, today's episode is just going to be a me and Scotty, but boy, it's a hoot. We'll start by previewing what's been going on in Georgia football land with their upcoming game against the Florida Gators. Boo. Speaking of the Gators, did you know there's a upcoming documentary about their 2018? You know, the one that won the national title and also did some really sketchy things off the field. Yeah, we're excited for that. We're also going to be giving you some play-by-play of NC State and Virginia Tech. That game was a glorious dumpster fire, as you'll see. And uh, we're going to be talking about the month of football. That's right. You won't have to skip out on football until after Thanksgiving, if you so choose. So buckle in. This is Let Them Eat Takes. So we took the bye week off because I guess when the dogs aren't playing, we don't podcast either. Yeah, I like it that way. Yeah. What did you do during the bye weekend? Uh, I don't even know. Hung out. I watched some other college football. Took it easy. Yeah. Worked on the kids' Halloween costume a bit, you know. Oh, what's Noah going as this year? Uh, he is a ghost. So we did some uh, trunk or treat stuff last night. So he got to uh, try it out already. Classic. Can't go wrong with Ghost. Oh, yeah. He had a lot of fun. And he got he real hype for that candy. Oh, I bet. You didn't uh, try to add a sports spin to it? Like, this is uh, Dan Mullen, buyout Mullen, or this isn't... Uh, this is, this been... is the ghost of Florida football success. <laughs> yeah. Ah, the ghost of Christmas future, the ghost of Christmas present, the ghost of Florida being good at football. All you need is some jean shorts, a visor, and a bunch of arrest records just casually uh, thrown under the rug. Yo, that 2008 Florida documentary, it's going to be the good stuff. Okay, I saw that on IMDb, and my initial thought was, how did it take this long to get this documentary? Uh, Statue of Limitations. Statue of Limitations. You think they had to get life rights for some of these people? <laughs> yeah. Who knows? It's yeah. I mean, I wonder. Is it really going to happen? People talked about it like it's going to happen, so I'll just assume that it is. I mean, IMDb is usually pretty accurate. If there's something wrong about like a movie, it's probably because they actually leaked like you know a production title, you know. And it's usually something else, but I would, I couldn't imagine what this is like smoke screen for. <laughs> uh, Gator coin, <laughs> Gator coin, <laughs> the new crypto. Uh, mm-hmm. So usually with these documentaries, there's always something crazy that comes out that no one ever knew about, and you wouldn't have thought it was like ever. You would it wasn't even the stratosphere of what you thought this thing was going to be about with like Manti Teo. There was a lot of like I don't know I had no idea this is what this was going to be about. I can't. So ab- begin- what's yeah? What's the twist going to be for the Florida <laughs> yeah. Doc? I, I mean, I have I have a possibility. Oh, can I hear it? Yeah. <laughs> Urban Meyer and Tim Tebow 
fading. <laughs> I was going to say something along the lines of Tim Tebow doing something slightly homoerotic. <laughs> yeah, that would be the first time ever. <laughs> he, uh, man, I don't know why Tim did this, but he always demanded that he do a jock strap inspection before every game. And he would, he would like get in it, like he'd sniff it. Like I think he'd, he'd, he'd just get in there and make sure it was really, you know, fitting properly. Right. Get in I there think adjust licked, it. I think he licked Percy Arvin's one time. Oh gosh. Really bizarre. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm looking forward to that. Um I, I'm looking forward to the game on Saturday since we're barely favored by just a little more than three touchdowns. So hopefully <laughs> that's how it turns out. Yeah, twenty two point spread, fifty eight over and under. What do you have? I mean, those are probably pretty reasonable. We'll see. It, it's a little bit of open-ended as far as who's actually healthy and going to play, right? So some of those impact guys could swing things one way or the other. Kirby being notoriously open and honest about injury status. Yeah, I uh, I saw his latest update said he was more hopeful about Jalen Carter playing than A.D. Mitchell, which was not the news I was expecting to hear. A.D. Mitchell, who, you know, if you remember from the Sanford game, could have come in if they needed him to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what they keep saying all the time. So, yeah. Oh, well, we shall see. Yeah. Hopefully it's a whooping. Yeah. Uh, what other games are there this uh, coming weekend? Uh, we got Kentucky and Tennessee. That'll be an uh, interesting yeah. one to watch. Yeah, possibly. It could go sideways real quick, too, though. Yeah, I mean, Kentucky's pretty well coached on both sides of the ball, but they've definitely had some struggles on offense this year. Yeah, well, and just, you know, uh, one of the areas Tennessee's really, really good at is starting fast. So it's one of those things where they'll come out and they'll score points in the first quarter even in their games where they have off games and don't score a ton they drop some points in the first quarter and so then it'll be up to kentucky right of whether kentucky's also scoring some points in the first quarter or whether they find themselves behind three scores really quickly and if they have to kind of get out of their game plan or if they panic or anything like that yeah I haven't. I've, I've never been super high on the Will Levis hype train, but I will say he's made some decent plays when they're behind on the sticks this year. Um, that might come into play. He might keep some drives alive for Kentucky. Um, yeah, I, I think the game being at Tennessee at night, I, yeah. I'm not super duper worried. I mean, you know, part of the reason that the concern for our schedule is that you have. Mississippi State and Kentucky on the road back-to-back weeks after Tennessee. And it's like, okay, you're going to go to Kentucky at night or something possibly, or Mississippi State possibly at night on the road against those teams that are just good enough to beat you if you don't play well. But yeah. like, if we had those teams at home at night, you know, like we played Arkansas at home last year and it was an absolute, you know, manhandling. But games like that on the road can be a little different. Well, surely Georgia could get a few night games on their home schedule the year being uh, defending national champions, right? <laughs> yep. Uh, 
I'm looking at this box score from last year's Tennessee-Kentucky game because I remember it being absolutely wild and nonsensical. And uh, <laughs> do you remember what the yardage totals and time of possession was like for both of these teams? It's got to be something extra dumb where Tennessee had like 500 yards in 20 minutes time of possession and Kentucky had like 285 yards in 40 minutes time of possession. Oh, no, no. Oh, no, no. It's better than that. I'll start with Kentucky's (laughs) yardage. Last year, they had 612 yards of total offense. That was 387 passing, 225 rushing. They had 35 first downs. And they were 12 for 17 on third down. That's insane. You'd think that could win the game, but it did not. Because Tennessee got uh, 461 total yards. Uh, Most of that was passing. They only held on to the ball for 13 minutes and 52 seconds, and they won 45 to 42. It's all about time and possession. That's what wins games. Absolutely. We're just going to take some time to admire the turf. I want to see what their turf management program is doing with this beautiful piece of... Uh, uh, Eskew. So so obviously just big plays, which is what uh, Tennessee's offense does this year. Very true. Uh, Another big play offense, Ohio State at Penn State. uh, That's the big nude game, so that's pretty exciting. I mean, Ohio State probably wins that game, but Penn State has, Franklin, they've managed to play Ohio State pretty tough. Yeah, so I was. Could be I've been, I've been surprised looking at the previous history of that rivalry, if you can call it that, because he hasn't beat Ohio State in the five or six years he's been, but it's always been within two scores. Um, I don't uh, know if Ohio State will go into ground and pound mode against Penn State because that seems it seems to be that their offense has had some issues. This year, yeah, it, Michigan did that a little, if I recall. Oh boy, did they! I think they got like 400 yards rushing against the Nittany Lions. Yeesh. Again, uh, Oklahoma. I was say Oklahoma State, Kansas State is the other 3:30 game that's pretty interesting. If uh, there's Auburn fans that don't want to watch Georgia win handily, I mean. One of those teams wears orange, the other one wears purple, which is a few shades off from navy blue. So you can there just you split go. your eyes and pretend they're both Auburn. Same color family. It's their, whatever their spring scrimmage is called. I have a hard time reading the Big 12 right now because it seems like there's just a bunch of okay teams competing for a conference title and maybe playoff berth, but probably not. Yeah, they don't really seem to have any real serious playoff caliber teams, but they basically have a lot of really like solid teams. Everybody's functional and it makes for a lot of fun games, right? Yeah. Uh speaking of functional, Old Miss at Texas A&M. <laughs> one of those one of that word applies to one of those teams right now. <laughs> oh, sorry. I meant that their finances are functional. <laughs> oh I I haven't even dug around all the the rumor mill stuff, but it looks pretty wild over in College Station right now. With a with looks like imminent departures from what was the historically the best recruiting class of all time. 
Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> we'll see what actually happens and how things go. Um, I will say the the vibe I've gotten from Texas A&M fans is that they obviously don't like losing, but that they're not like actively collecting money to you know buy Jimbo out or anything right now. That the, the recruiting is there and the players are there, and they just want Jimbo to get somebody else in there to run the offense, and they think everything will be okay. Now, this could change if the recruits walk out the door. This could change if Jimbo doesn't ever bring somebody in to run the offense. But, yeah, one of the... There's some in-laws family that, you know, are Texas A&M people, so I I, I hear from them about uh, A&M stuff from time to time. That's interesting, because I... <laughs> Like I don't, I don't think Jimbo is a complete idiot. Like, and you know, it's kind of funny seeing how awful his offense has been this year because his play calling card is enormous. It's like the extra Waffle House menu you have to ask uh, for that they don't keep on the tabletop. But and look, they struggled. I, I understand that you know when your playbook is war and peace, like sometimes you get tired of reading it and you just are like, <laughs> F it. I were on this play. I give up. Just call it because I, I too started reading war and peace and didn't finish it. So I understand, but I also wasn't getting paid $10 million a year to read war and peace or else I would have read it. I mean, you're not a, a good, you, you're not a big fan of the. Was that what is Warpy? Is that part of like the Rosh, the Russian romance movement? It is definitely Russian literature. Oh jeez, yeah, it is hefty. Boom, it's thick, boy. Yeah, it is only uh, one thousand four hundred and fifty-six pages. The copy that I have here. What do you? Uh, what possibly do you have to say about Napoleon's invasion of Russia? Other than it was just a complete and utter failure. Well, I'll tell you what you have to say about it. <clears throat> Book one, part one. Eh bien, mon prince. That's how it starts. Eh, that's all I'm doing. Okay. I I I don't know any Texas A&M fans. I thought for sure Big Oil was going to come in there and, you know, do something. And I had in my head planned like a bit, like if they fi- if they fire Jimbo, pay his buyout, there needs to be a midnight yell just for that. Oh, and I think there's definitely some grumbling and angst behind the scenes, you know. I think there will be people trying to push Jimbo and tell him to bring in somebody to run the offense. The problem is they owe him all of that buyout. So he can always just say no. And they can either pay him $100 million to leave, or they can deal with his decision. So, I mean, where, where's the breakdown, really? Is it the scheme, or is it the players? It's the scheme. You think so? Mm-hmm. I mean... And, and, a very, and a very simple way of looking at it is basically that there's a lot of rules in college that are slightly different from rules in the NFL. And it allows for basically easy, free yards, right? It's more offense-friendly in a lot of ways. Jimbo's offense basically chooses to ignore all of the ways to get easy, free yards and tries to only do it the way you do it in the NFL. 
which works if you have an NFL quarterback, all NFL players. But if you don't have all junior and senior NFL players, including quarterback, then it gets hard. And it's just he hasn't like really changed or updated his scheme in the last decade. You got to change and adapt and all that. They probably line up under center more than any other team in the SEC right now, if I had to guess. They also play at a very, very slow pace. And that may not seem super important, but it actually is. Like um, A lot's been said about people playing fast, and sometimes that gets overblown. But if you're a team that is like a top five or top ten team talent-wise, and you normally are playing teams with less talent than you, games that on paper you're supposed to win, you're trying to avoid a lot of the random things that happen in a small sample size game, right? You're trying to avoid losing because you missed three field goals or losing because of pick six or losing because of some turnovers or a random drop pass or something like that, right? Mm -hmm. Well, when you run the slowest offense in college football and you run 55 plays a game, instead of running a more up-tempo offense where there's 85 plays a game, guess what? Every single one of those random things that happens now counts almost twice as much because you're playing almost half as few plays. Yeah. So like either Georgia-Missouri game or any game like that where it's like kind of wonky in the first half and you're like, oh, crap. If you're playing at a Jimbo pace, instead of starting to turn things around in the second half, it's already like the end of the third quarter or the start of the fourth quarter before you start to get things in order and turn things around. And then you don't have a whole lot of time to come back. So that's a big part of it. That's not the only thing, but, you know, it's a very obvious and noticeable thing that could be optimized much better. Yeah, and there's, I would imagine he could probably find somebody who's not going to, you know, abandon all of the pro-style stuff. You know, I think, I don't know, Mark Whipple seems like a, a guy you could probably bring in to shake some things up. Uh, Pat Narduzzi didn't appreciate what Mark Whipple did for him, even though he had a pretty good offense. But Yeah, and, and Mark Whipple is... I'm not sure if he's really even, like, super amazing, but he's at least, like, pretty good. And people may not like this comparison, but he may actually be sort of like a Jim Chaney level of offensive coach, where he's, like, a guy that's really experienced... And will be consistently pretty good. Um, you know, probably likes to throw the ball a little more than run the ball, but has been around a while and has had running teams and passing teams and a lot of different stuff. Probably not going to be like so innovative or like the hottest, greatest offensive scheme, but like a perfectly fine, solid college offensive scheme. And you give them good players and they'll be good. Which can be enough if you have, like, the most talented team on paper. That's okay. Like, you know, Georgia and Bama and Ohio State and all these teams. Most of these teams have never had, like, a greatest hot new offense. That starts at the lower teams that have to innovate. Yeah, I was going to say, if you recruit the way A&M did last year, you never have to be that cutting edge. You know, everything Alabama does is, like, that's those, these are passing concepts that even a lot of high school teams employ. It's just they have the dudes, and they'll beat you. Tis true, tis true. I, I kind of think that Jimbo 
does not hire an offensive person and tries to keep control. He's getting paid $100 million to be an offensive guru, and I don't think he'll step out of the way and let somebody else handle it. And if that's the case, then, I don't know, he's got like three more years before they pony up and buy him out. Because his offense, you're not going to win the SEC or a national title with this offense, I don't think. And that's he's got to do that in like the next three years or they're going to buy him out. Yeah, I believe the last time they scored more than 24 points against an FBS opponent was against Alabama last year in the flukiest game of the entire 2021 season, in my opinion. Yeah, and, and the offense played really well in that game. The quarterback just made a ton of really good throws, right? The, and that's what has to happen. You have to have your quarterback make a ton of <laughs> big-time NFL throws. That's how you can be good in that offense. But unless you have a number one overall pick sitting there, you're not going to get that game in, game out. Well, most of these good, the good news is if you're an A&M fan, that most of these coaches at this level are really good at admitting where they're wrong and their shortcomings. And they're really adaptable and they're really open to change. Even if it means we're firing close friends and family from uh, their coaching staff. Yeah, see what Iowa has done. What's uh, uh, that? Shout, oh, Brian Ferentz is still there? <laughs> yeah, shout out to Mark Rick, who was like, I'll just retire before I fire my son. Life's more important than that. Uh, that might be the price to pay for Iowa if you want to get rid of Brian Ferentz as your offensive coordinator. But at this point, I'm not sure that's a huge loss to lose Kirk, too. I mean, I don't want to undervalue what he did for that program. But, you know, sports been changing for a long time. And I don't know. Did you see what <laughs> did you see what he said to the reporters after the game this past weekend? Uh, Yeah, basically, uh, you know, sometimes I think it's bad. Then I remember I could wake up and be a reporter. Uh, not word for yes. word, but more or less. <laughs> he job shamed the people just trying to do their job. <laughs> yep. Which the funny part about it is. You know, I know a lot of people are like, oh, those reporters, like, you know, getting so mad because somebody poked fun at the reporters, blah, blah, blah. And like, I don't know. I mean, like, oh, those stupid reporters just want to complain about, you know, forensics all the time, blah, blah, blah. It's like, have you guys ever been on Twitter? Do you realize that people who cover sports deal with basically nothing but fans complaining at them 24 <laughs> 7? And like, and instead of getting 6 million, they're getting like 60K. <laughs> so yeah, I I, I kind of I'm okay with them being like, hey, this person makes a hundred times more than me. It's also okay to complain about them. Yeah, if you went through the like message boards for Hawks twenty four seven or whatever Iowa has, it probably reads like a script for an unproduced Hellraiser movie where it's just all about pain and misery and cherishing the the agony of watching this team take the field and not do a damn thing with the ball. Do you think he'll fire his son this offseason? I don't know. I don't think so. I think he... For his, how I, I don't, I'm not very educated on the nature of the Iowa football program. I do know Kirk Ferentz kind of ushered in a new era for them. And they, he was really good for that program back in like the early 2000s and the mid-2000s. I don't know what his contract is like, but he might have enough you know, sway 
And just based on how he's like handled press conferences, he seems like the kind of coach who might look at the program as his personal fiefdom and doesn't really care. But I don't know. These coaches really like winning, and he's not an idiot. So he might just be putting on a really good face before his son gets sent to like a rehabilitation center in Tuscaloosa or elsewhere. I don't know. Yeah, I think these coaches like to win, but also they like to win their way. And sometimes that causes a little problem. Yeah. I looked at Brian Ferentz's resume, though, and I wasn't the least bit surprised to see that he spent more than half of his coaching career under his dad, and he kind of worked his way up. But Kirk Ferentz has, has had a way of doing things a certain way for a long time, and I, also, I wonder if Brian Ferentz has missed out by not going somewhere else to study under other people. Yeah, Just anywhere thought. else. Yeah, yeah, anywhere. I think he coached, maybe it was like a like some sort of assistant for the New England Patriots for one year. Just that was, one. His, that was his rum springer. Right. So. Oh. Anyway, yeah, A&M, <clears throat> still bad at offense, wasting a lot of talent. Um, speaking of bad at offense and, and wasting talent, uh, the Falcons got absolutely pounded. Yeah. Um, coming off a big win against the 49ers, they get served up by who day? Did you, did you see? Uh, I wish I remember the stat exactly. There was some stat that was the Falcons' record when they have a 500 record, and they've lost their like last 12 games when they've had a 500 record. Basically, the high point of the last three years has been being 500 for like four days. Before you immediately uh, lose. But I'm hey, re- don't worry. They definitely made sure that Drake London got his one catch for nine yards and Kyle Pitts got his three catches for nine yards. So really taking advantage of those uh, really young, talented, high draft picks there. Yeah, we got to feed the future, baby. Uh, got it, got it. Those, those passing attempts for Marcus Mariota are really precious, so I'm glad they were able to allocate some to the young this, guys. This looks like a Jimbo offense. Eight of 13 passing. And 29 carries for 107 yards. That's the team numbers. 42 plays. I mean, isn't that kind of Arthur Smith's shtick anyway? Wasn't that kind of what the show he was running in Tennessee before he came over to Atlanta? Uh, Yeah, sort of. They like to play big, burly man ball. They definitely do. Uh, I've seen so many fans on Twitter just crying out desperately for Desmond Ritter, which, you know, at this point, you know, there's, what's the up, it, to quote an Iowa, or quote Brian Ferentz, what's the upside <laughs> in starting a new quarterback? There might not be any in this scenario, but... uh, I mean, they're not going to switch to him yet because you're still playing a bunch of close games and have a... 500-ish record, and so there's still mathematical hope for the playoffs. Uh, it's mathematical in nature only, I think, but as long as that's the case, I don't see them switching. As as soon as you lose a couple games and you're sort of out of the playoffs, then they'll switch to a quarterback, or switch to the younger quarterback, if I had to guess. If I but, had to guess, there's probably some stat that says as soon as the Falcons get under 500 games, they win some game they have no business being competitive in. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably true. Because here's the thing. I mean, you wouldn't want to make the playoffs. So when you get to 500, you got to lose. You wouldn't want to have like 
a high enough draft pick to change your franchise. So you better like win some games as soon as that record starts sagging. That's right. I want I want to see the Dirty Birds taking who's a who's like a very mid prospect in this cup coming draft. I don't know. It's probably like, some defensive back from the MAC conference. Or like, you know, they'll pick the fourth quarterback off the board. The the Falcons had 214 total yards. Ugh. Joe Burrow had 501 total yards. I mean, looking at the... Uh, actually, it looks worse. I was going to say it looks kind of like that SEC championship Georgia played LSU. No, it's worse. It's way, way worse. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the Falcons didn't even have a prayer in this game. No. <sighs> and, okay... Slightly in the Falcons' defense, uh, the defensive backs all died. Yeah, AJ at, was was he AJ Terrell hurt in that game, or was he, he hurt before? He was hurt before, and he re got re injured in the first quarter. And then I know one of the starting safeties got hurt in the game and was out for the rest of the game. Didn't come back, and there were some other injuries to the secondary. Yeah, so it's one of those things where it's just like a good quarterback and good receivers. And oh, oops, surprise. Uh, four minutes into the first quarter, and now you got to play all your backups in the secondary. And they just toasted them. Such is the way. Hmm. So painful. I, uh, in somewhat tangentially related news, I saw that uh, on a one of those fa- one of those favorite popular quarterback rankings on Twitter had maybe for the first time since 2016 had Matt Ryan and Tom Brady in the same quarterback tier. <laughs> the title of that tier was called well, obviously the top tier, right? Right, right. Wrong. This title, this tier is called Elder Abuse. Oh no, <laughs> Matt Ryan, who's got to be at least four or five years younger than Tom Brady. I did not expect him to be having that much trouble in Indy. I also thought their offensive line was better than it is because apparently it has been completely terrible. But yeah, Matt Ryan not aging as gracefully as Tom Brady. I mean, what do you football wise off the field? Probably aging much better than Tom Brady. Yeah, Matt Ryan seems like he's got a pretty stable home life. You know, his twins are cute. You know, he married his college sweetheart and has not left her for some European supermodel. But um, yeah, like like of those two quarterbacks, which one is gonna like crash your family Christmas and get your sister pregnant? Like you know, that's obviously Tom Brady, right? Has Jonathan Taylor been hurt this year? Because he has not been like he was a stud last year. He was getting all kinds of yards, and this year he's like very contained. Uh, their whole team is just a dumpster fire. I mean, I thought the Colts were gonna be a good destination for Matty Ice. I thought, did too. Yeah, a lot of people did. I think that was sort of generally accepted that it worked out for everybody. Like it did the opposite. It looks like it was bad for Matt Ryan. It was bad for the Colts. Yep. <laughs> so and bad, and bad for the Falcons. And bad for the Falcons. What did we get? Like a second round pick. I don't know. Which at this point seems like a steal, but yeah, you know. it's not bad. Yeah, I guess we we could pour one out for Matt Ryan's career because I don't know who will take a shot on him. It, it sounded like 
the cult he showed up to the cults and they were maybe a little bit surprised by uh how physically de- i don't know declined it makes him sound like he's like 80 so he's declined the, one of the things with matt ryan is he's never been a guy that has like one of the stronger arms in the nfl no arm strength in general in the nfl and football or whatever is pretty overrated for the most part you need to have a strong enough arm to like clear the benchmark to be a good functional quarterback. And then extra arm strength beyond that is nice. But most of the time, not always, most of the time that extra arm strength doesn't really do you a whole lot of good. Right. It's much more about all the other stuff. Like, you know, your accuracy, your timing, reading defense, like how hard you're working, all stuff. And, you know, it just arm strength way down the list, um, list of what's actually important. However, you have to have the minimum threshold of arm strength to be accurate or to be like functionally, you know, accurate and on time and that kind of stuff. And what happens is the guys that are on the lower end of just barely having enough and they get a little bit injured or get a little bit old and that arm strength falls off a little bit, their play just falls off a cliff completely, which is what we saw a few years back with Drew Brees. And all of a sudden, Drew Brees didn't quite have enough arm strength anymore to throw the ball down the field. And they threw nothing but slants, and nobody respected anything over like six yards, and it just falls apart in a hurry. Yeah, it's a good comparison. Another NFC South quarterback who also didn't have the greatest arm strength coming into the league. Yep. And when that goes, toast. Same thing with like mobility, right? Having great mobility at quarterback is awesome. And it's more and more important every year as offenses, you know, lean into it a little bit more. But for a lot of quarterbacks, you just have to be mobile enough to kind of slide around in the pocket and, you know, move a little bit. As soon as you get just a little bit too old and you can't move at all, or as soon as you get hurt enough where you are a complete statue, all of a sudden you're just red meat. And I mean, well, this was in the world where you could sack a quarterback and it's not a personal foul. So I guess that's an <laughs> outdated, you know, aspect, but. Oh, man. Yeah, we're we're approaching two hand touch territory when it comes to quarterback play. And it's unfair. It's unfair to all the other players because everyone else gets the shit knocked out of them when they play football. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned it, I think, before the season, off season, sometime when we started noticing that they had not so subtly rewritten rules to say that anyone in the act of throwing about to throw or having just recently thrown the ball is a defenseless player. It's like, Oh, so anytime you hit the quarterback, it's like targeting. Now it was a, it was poor, poorly, poorly, poorly written language. Um, it was stupid. It, it has been enforced about how I thought it would be, where it's very rarely applied, except in those moments that are just really, just mattingly fe- infuriating. Yeah. I go, hey, the game's online. Let's spice it up a bit. <sighs> so there, I mean, gosh, I remember when the there was a lot of that going on when the uh, Chiefs played the Raiders a few weeks back. There were a couple of identical hits on the quarterbacks, and they were called very unevenly. I don't think it affected the outcome of the game, but it was just frustrating to watch as a fan. Oh, speak of, you know, frustrating to watch as a fan of one of these teams, but not as just a general sickos fan. Uh, Virginia Tech and North Carolina State are currently 0-0 uh, 
uh, right before the half here. And uh, <laughs> it's some beautiful Thursday night ACC football mess. Oh, I While you were this. talking, did the quarterback drop the snap out of shotgun on the ground, get onto a knee, and then pick the ball up? Yes. Yes, he <laughs> did. Did the officials notice? No, he then scrambled like haphazardly for 15 yards. Oh, man, we got. OK, we got a definitely a dumpster diver of the ACC and another ACC opponent that's lost playoff contention and their quarterback. Yeah, who cares? Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. I just watched yeah, it. On. He's yeah. so down. Yeah, it's extremely <laughs> up. I mean, there's nobody within five yards of him. He is the quarterback. The play has just started. He has the ball. Literally everyone is watching this guy. I think the Virginia Tech's coach is like, what the heck, man? (laughs) (laughs) So good. In these troubling times, when the bonds we all share are threatened to be torn asunder by the quick takes, the hot takes, the medium rare takes, and the takes that are doomed to be deleted on Twitter tomorrow, we need a sports take to bring us back together. Now more than ever, these are the takes that unite us. So, um... Take that unites us. We, in case you, uh, if you didn't uh, catch the news, we are going to have just 27 days of just football. There's not going to be oh, yeah. a d- night without football until after Thanksgiving. Yeah. So. Basically, the you know once it gets to this part of the season, conference schedules are going, and the action kicks it into high gear, <laughs> and then you get that that sparkly husky high five and all of a sudden you got tuesday games and wednesday games i confess this is probably not a crazy thing confess i have not paid attention to the mac conference at all so let's see what the standings like since they're going to be oh, filling up they haven't started their season yet justin that's they why haven't, haven't that's that's it they haven't I mean, done any I, conference no, no, play uh, no officially they have but i mean like okay. unofficially it doesn't really start until they start taking over their own days of the week uh, I see. I assume most of these teams got their pay games out of the way. They got butt blasted by Ohio State and Bama and Georgia. And let's see mm-hmm. here. All right, butt so butt blasted. And the Mac East. Oh come on! I hate it when Google does this. Talk good talk. All right, Mac East. You got division leader Buffalo at four and zero. Conference record five and three overall. Two and one at home. Three and two away. They are on a five-game winning streak. They got all those pay games front-loaded so they could focus on business. Uh, mm-hmm. Mac, Mac West, you got a 5-3 and three Toledo on a one-game win streak. And uh, it looks like, for the most part, both of these uh, divisions in the conference are totally up for grabs. Akron's totally out of it. They're 1-7. Uh, there, might, there might be some interesting... I don't know. Most of these teams are pretty bad. I don't know. Yeah, this I mean, be... <laughs> you know, the way that the MAC and a lot of the P5 schedule is very much they go with the mullet schedule. And it's business in the front, party in the back. And they get those business games out of the way early in the season. And we're just about to hit peak MAC mullet season starting next week. I'm here for it. Let's see here, Buffalo has. They've had some, uh, I don't know, they lost to Holy Cross back in September. Mm, that doesn't look great. That's not a pay game. Uh, yeah, I don't know which of these games is going to be worth watching. I'll tune in if there's something good to talk about. Oh, we'll, 
we'll mention that's it. the thing. They'll be worth watching because they'll be the only game in town. <laughs> they'll be on Tuesday and Wednesday night. Ah, the Maction. Mm-hmm. This is the Maction. Um, you know it. This has been the Takes That United. So, I will speaking, speaking of season kicking off, uh, this one's actually officially <laughs> NBA just recently kicked off. So, it's, uh, I don't know. Sometimes it feels like people care more about the offseason for the NBA and, like, keeping the drama going and the narratives instead of, like, actually watching the games. But if you like the actual games, now's the time for that. I have to so, bring uh, the oat. We have two Kevins that have show, come on the show. We might have to get the basketball Kevin to come and talk about it. Um, I've yeah, seen the Hawks. somebody to talk with. Yeah, the Hawks have been had a strong start so far. They got a couple wins. Uh, yeah, Hawks are three and one. It pretty much opened with four games against teams that aren't very good. So, like four games that are all pretty solid favorites. Um, in professional sports, when you're a pretty solid favorite, you usually win about three out of four. So you're kind of right where you'd like to be, or sorry, right where you would actually expect to be. You would like to be four and zero because obviously one of those games was a game you drop against a team that you're significantly better than. But yeah, so far it's four games out of eighty-two. There's not a whole lot to say about the season just yet. Oh. Tell tell a casual like me what's a team that's worth watching during the regular season they think is going to be fun, especially if you're just trying to get your beak wet into the NBA. So, and your primary goal is just fun. I like fun. I like I try to support the Hawks because <clears throat> you know they're the hometown team, and you know woohoo, got to go Atlanta. Yeah. So I think uh, Pelicans, if and when Zion is ever playing. Should be a pretty fun team. Right now, I think he's healthy and playing, or he was. Maybe he's already hurt again. I don't know. Um, the Bucks can be a pretty fun team to watch, I think, because they're really good and they're consistently good in the regular season mm-hmm. as well. Like some some teams with title hopes kind of hit cruise control all regular season, and the Bucks don't. But the Bucks also play defense, so. If you just want to see like more fast break, you know, dunks, then you don't maybe get that with the Bucks. But if you want to watch Giannis be an absolute freak of nature, um, I was gonna say he's one of the names I recognize, and I know oh yeah what the caliber player that he is. Being as casual, yeah, uh, basketball fan as I am, yeah. I mean, so one thing I will say about the current state of the NBA is you have a pretty good product as far as watchability goes right now because you have you know um not that long ago you had you know the Cavs and the Warriors playing in the finals like every year and before that you had like LeBron and the Heatles right and it was you had all these people really teaming up you still have guys that team up and play together or teams that have more than one star but you don't seem to right now have any teams that are quite as collected as that like all the people in one place also right now you have a lot of big time star players from europe but if you go look at like a whole bunch of the top players in the league 
there's a ton of European talent, which means you probably have more top-end talent and more stars in the league right now than maybe any other previous time in history, which means there's actually enough star players to go around for 20 teams. And then you have your teams that are tanking. You'll, you'll, your, your bourgeoisie basketball team needs more star power. You'll, you'll take, you'll take Comrade Nikolai. He come from, he come from Romania. He good basketball. He good center. He big boy. <laughs> well, you know, for starters, you have Giannis, right? Greek. You have, yeah, you have Jokic, who is uh, the reigning MVP, I do believe. Um, and obviously you have Luca with the Mavs and, you know, Lots of other players elsewhere, so <clears throat> it's a pretty good, pretty good time. Um, if you want to watch, sort of, I don't know, a mixture of like competency and hilarity, you could watch the Lakers, where LeBron is still good, but the Lakers are a disaster. <laughs> oh, give me that! Give me <laughs> Lakers all day long, baby. Yeah. And so you'll have like old, sometimes injured, complaining LeBron, just being like. What are you doing? Like, why did you shoot that? Why did you, you know? So, and Russell Westbrook's on that team, and it's just like, it's late in the game. It's Russ time, baby. And it's just like, oh no, Russ, what are you doing? Oh, that's kind of entertaining, but not for the right reasons. The Clippers should be really good and fun to watch, but they kind of rest their star players a lot. So you have to watch on the right night. And they still got the AARP superstar team, right? The the Clippers have yeah, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George and a bunch of other good players. They'll rest their guys a lot. Golden State Warriors are fun to watch because Steph is still Steph, and they play a fun, watchable brand of basketball. And also, Draymond might like you know try and kill one of his teammates in the middle of the floor right during the game. Easily, so, yeah. Adds to the drama. Yeah, and then you have some of the younger teams like New Orleans, Memphis, Minnesota, with like. These really, really athletic young guys that are going to just run a bunch and dunk a bunch. So, running and dunking, running and dunking, just like I life behind the Iron Curtain. <laughs> I can't wait for the documentary. It says when the Iron Curtain came down, the hoops went up. Oh man! So, and did NC State get a field goal right before the half, or Virginia Tech? Somebody got a field goal here. Well, Virginia Tech had seven false start penalties in the first half, so that's how that game's going. Uh, youch. I guess you don't, you don't, you don't just uh, fall ass backwards in the two and five this point in the year, right? You got to work <laughs> hard. You got to get stupid penalties. They earned that record. Oh, they're still talking about that stupid play where the quarterback got on his knee to pick up the ball. Love it. That was some real classic, like, dumb Thursday night ACC moment. I uh, love it. Uh, before we wrap up, uh, game one of the World Series is tomorrow. It is trash cans versus cheesesteaks. You got a feel oh, for it? I thought it, it had already started. I didn't even know. <sighs> it's that kind of World Series, isn't it? <laughs> I, you know, I keep turning the TV on at uh, 1247 and trying to figure out where my baseball is. I don't know. Oh, <laughs> uh, that would be that would be the 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 greatest, most obvious conspiracy revealed if the Braves somehow made it this far and they're still playing day games during the World Series. 
Don't, don't even make that joke. It's too close to home. Robert Manfred still got his feelings hurt for how viciously booed he was at the award ceremony last year. So hey, uh, it was worth it. Oh, for sure. <laughs> if you can't be a baseball fan and not hate uh, Robert Manfred. Uh, he's the worst. People, uh, I think a reporter legitimately asked him a question one time. Do you hate baseball? <laughs> Which is and all, amazing. All the reporters are nodding along, like, "Yeah, good question, good question, good question." It's the best. That's the best skill. Of, they don't. They teach in journalism schools that you have to make your questions actual. You know, declarative statements. Uh, as is the case, probably with the Iowa Hawkeye situation, where all these reporters know what Kirk and Brian are going to say, but they have to ask. They have to keep reminding them how bad their offense is. But it's entertaining for the rest of us, so I guess they're doing their job. All right. Do we got a good take that unites us here? Uh, or I guess we're counting the uh, the start of super action football every day season. That's good enough for me. Yeah, I could have. Uh, <laughs> we could have either talked about how all of college football was in agreement that Nick Saban's excuse for Jermaine Burton was horseshit. <laughs> uh, all the great memes of Jermaine Burton, you know, getting like, oh, he's got a, <laughs> what's that boxing company? Elite. Or titles. Oh, like, gosh. oh, he's got, got a great new deal. So he can protect himself when white girls approach him nonchalantly holding their iPhones. Yeah. Uh, he, I'm sure he was very scared. This prime of athletic life football player wearing literal armor was <laughs> scared of this random sorority girl. Racking up all those yards too. Getting all those tutties and yards. Just what he came to Alabama to do. The only uh, thing that would have made it better is if he had like grabbed a riot shield off a police officer <laughs> or something. I told you they were going to need the National Guard in Knoxville. <laughs> I mean, it uh, looks like... That mess was wild. Yeah. Who knows where those gold posts are now? Everyone says they're in the river, but I, I, I think I know better. They're definitely... One of them's at least being hidden in a frat house. Maybe. The only thing with the frat house is it's hard for the word to not get out. True. You gotta be somewhere, though. Well, I think that's all I got. For me, you got anything else you want to tell the good people, Scott? Nope, that's it. Hope we'll be back full strength sometime soon and uh, not be just winging it, but who am I kidding? Are you talking about the us podcast folks or are you talking about the dogs? Nah, you know, interpret as you will. <laughs> it would be good to have a room full of people and a healthy ex receiver for Georgia. I and, and a Jalen Carter back. Oh, please, yes. and super please, freak. sir, one Jalen Carter. Uh, my my early preview of the Georgia-Tennessee game is very easy. If Jalen Carter play, yes, win. If Jalen Carter no play, then no win. That is my stance on that game. I don't, I don't want to agree with you, but I think I do. Jalen Carter is the kind of, you know, you talk about who can run down Hendon Hooker. It's Jalen Carter. He can totally run him down from the backfield. Yeah, because he won't be running him down. He'll be running straight into his face. Straight into his face. Uh, 
I I look at the advanced stats and think, oh, Georgia could totally could totally win this game. And then I watch Tennessee play and think, ah, oh, we're gonna get smoked. So I'm yeah, you got a little Munson in you. I do. I'm gonna live in that bipolar state. But you know, I'm not gonna think about it for the next 72 hours because Georgia's gonna play Florida. I hate Florida more than any other pro- program in college football. So does Kirby oh, Smart. Luckily, 100 percent. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm with you. Florida's the worst. They're my most hated team and fan base by a wide margin. And I do love that Kirby Smart also hates them. Because wasn't it some random Florida game where we beat them by like 40, where he ran out on the field, jumping up and down, fist pumping, saying, F these mother effers? Oh, yeah. It was Dan Mullen's first uh, game yeah. as yeah. the Florida head coach. Like, wasn't even a close game. It's not no. like he was like all amped up because he won at the last minute. He just really hated those guys. Oh yeah, and he's got and we players. Love him for it. Yeah, he had uh, Jamon Dumas Johnson get up in a press conference and say, "Oh yeah, we still haven't forgot about losing him in 2020. We want to make him pay for it." He wasn't even on the team when that happened. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like that's we nuts. Forgotten about it. <laughs> we got players who have. We got players on the team who don't know what it's like to lose to Florida. Be mad about losing to Florida. Mm-hmm. So. And with these rivalry games, I always, you always, the months into me is always saying, "Up, oh, you never know in this rivalry series, weird things can happen. I don't know if this is the year for that, for weird things to happen. And I really hope not. I don't know. I guess weird things could happen. Like, Anthony Richardson could not throw an interception. That would be weird. That's all I uh, got. Yeah. All right. Go, dogs. Hey, thanks again for listening to the show. If you liked what you heard, make sure to give us that thumbs up in Spotify or Apple Podcasts or Breaker or whatever weird app you're using to listen to this thing. Uh, We'll hope to get the full crew back on, and uh, we'll see you or you'll hear us next time.